Welcome. Well, you're at home with Jim and Joy, and you are an important part of our EWTN family. And we're so delighted that you have welcomed us into your home today. We're taking your comments and your questions. If you're watching, it's live Monday. Give us a jingle, 1-800-221-9460. If you are calling and you are outside North America, you can reach us at 205-271-2980. And you can always send us an email with a question or a comment to jimandjoy at EWTN.com and check us out on Facebook. Well, today, the question that we normally talk about, right, we always have a, a question that we're talking about, and we're going to be discussing why is it so important to visit the burial places of the unborn victims of abortion and other memorial sites that are dedicated to them. And maybe people aren't even aware yes. that they are such sites. And so we're going to be speaking about the National Day of Remembrance for Aborted Children. It's September 9th, Saturday, September 9th. But we wanted to make you aware of this. We want you to know where the sites are. And, and maybe you already have some sites where you are. What would require a site, a memorial, a headstone, a statue dealing with the unborn? So many Catholic churches have, many have these. Catholic but, churches. but they don't participate in right. the Day of Remembrance. Mm -hmm. so, so we want to recruit you to possibly lead that after you speak with your pastor, and evangelicals are so strongly pro-life, so many, and charismatics. and So, uh, yeah, there are sites for us to go to grieve, to mourn, to give thanks for these children. We, you had a, we had an exciting weekend, too, with the grandchildren. We did. On Friday, we took um, 14 of the 17 grands with us to Alabama Adventure, which is a, a water park and rides here in the state of Alabama, and it was very hot. And um, we go every year. Yeah. And so normally uh, what we have done in the past, uh, we split the littles, let the littles do a day, yeah. and then we went again the next day and did the older children. Well, this year they decided we should all be back together again. You didn't have all of them, but you had those in their 20s now, because we've been doing this for 20 years. <laughs> right, so, so I had help. Grandkids in their <laughs> 20s with these little kids that might be six right. and seven and so on, but the big kids are like babies, right? I mean, they're like, we want to go, we, you know, yeah. and, and they just love it. So year never, after year. And neither is Nona, never too old for fun. Yeah. And we had a lot of fun. I went on some of the rides, <laughs> and they went on crazy rides. I didn't participate. But it, back in the day, when they needed courage to go on this big roller coaster called the Rampage, yeah. we would go on that with them. And you would go on. I mean, you know, it was their first time they were going, and maybe they were eight or nine, yeah. and they needed assistance. They needed us to go right. with them, and we went on them. Well, with that them. was the last time I did it because, you know, I'm just getting older. And I mean, this thing is like unbelievable the way it moves. And by the time it was done, I was like this, you know, <laughs> in the thing, and I thought my teeth got knocked out, and I, I was just in pain, you know, and I was like, that was it. That was my last rampage ride. It was fun. But then when we came back to the house, yeah. you were so gracious and kind. We had ordered uh, food ahead, and yeah. you had everything all laid yeah. out for us. So when all the children came back to the house, yet we eat again, and we food. ate at the park. Yeah. And then we came home from the park, yeah. we had to eat again. You have to feed these but, people. You know, all this to say, just little things with your grandchildren or with your children as you're, you're raising them. And it really does develop if you do it year after year. As a tradition, mm -hmm. they never forget it. They love coming back to the house and eating. 
some of the parents came to pick them up. It looked like they didn't want to leave. Which they didn't want really to leave. They were mad when their parents arrived because <laughs> they didn't want to leave and they didn't know their parents were coming and they wouldn't open the door for their mothers. Yeah. It was answer. terrible. But, um, but, but beautiful thing about that is that your grandchildren are different when their parents aren't around. We found that to be yeah. true. We like them, they like us, and sometimes their parents kind of change the vibe a little. You know, when they come, because they have order and rules. We don't have yeah. order, we don't have rules. Well, kids are different when their parents fun. aren't around. So, I don't know what that means exactly, but they were with their grandparents. Right. So, uh, and just to, what are you doing to build community, to build family, you know, among your children, and if you're blessed to have a grandchild, and so we just wanted to share that because it's a yearly thing and it's fantastic. So going from that, loving our grandchildren, to the question of the day, why is it important to visit burial places of the unborn victims of abortion and other memorial sites dedicated to them? Very sensitive subject, but out of sight, out of mind, in sight, in mind. Blessed are those who mourn because they will be comforted. So we want to talk about this today. 1-800-221-9460, give us a call. And uh, we also wanted to mention uh, the Eucharistic Congress is taking place yep. next July. 2024, the Eucharistic Congress is taking place next July, 17th through the 21st. And for more information, register at EWTN.com forward slash Eucharist. Registering through EWTN's link will get you $75 off admission price. We have so many things Amen. to celebrate. So we'll be right back. Plenty more to come. Please don't go away. Welcome back. Well, remember that we're taking your questions and comments on our show today. So if you're watching, it's Monday. We are here alive. Give us a jingle at 1-800-221-9460. Outside North America, you can reach us at 205-271-2980. You can always send us an email with a question or a comment to jimandjoy at ewtn.com and check us out on Facebook. So this was the question. Why is it important to visit the burial places of the unborn victims of abortion and other memorial sites dedicated to them? Did you even know that there is an annual day set aside on September 9th every year that you can participate in that? And most Catholic churches have memorial sites outside. There's a statue. We have a beautiful statue at the cathedral of this angel holding this beautiful baby. Um, and so the Pro-Life League, Eric Scheidler, he is one of the organizers of this event and where people from all over the country participate in it. So you think, is it necessary? Um, is it healing? Is it helpful? And so many men and women participate in it. Grandparents, right? Yeah. Uh, and so if you have, a, you say, well, my parish hasn't done anything. Well, hopefully you have a pro-life leader in your parish or in your diocese. And you can say to them now, right now, as it is in July, to prepare for September to say, what are ways that we can get involved where we can have a collective gathering um, and, and do something at our parish? So we have a great pro-life leader with us in Eric Scheidler 
from the Pro-Life Action League and, and is one of the participating organizations for the National Day of Remembrance for Aborted Children, Saturday, September 9th. Eric, you there? I sure am. Welcome back to At Home with Jim and Joe. It's always great. Jim and Joy, I think I said Joe, I don't know. <laughs> James Joseph Francis Pinto Jr., there's a Joe in there. But Eric, just to share with us again the vision for this, how long it's been going on, who's participating in terms of organizations, and how you think things are going, what are your hopes for this year? Well, this would be, I guess, our 21st annual um, National Day of Remembrance. The first one was held in 2013. There was a, a kind of a, a historical anniversary of a, a very huge burial that had taken place in the 80s that we were memorializing back in 2013. We did that by inviting pro-lifers all across the United States to go out to the burial places of aborted babies and to other memorial locations set up for them and to offer prayers of mourning. Now, when we started this project, you know, over 10 years ago, we knew of about two dozen burial places of aborted babies. Uh, in the course of putting together our first day of remembrance, we uncovered another couple dozen places where babies were buried and in the years that we've been doing this, there have been several other very important burials. Um, listeners will remember the horror story of Kermit Gosnell, the, uh, the butchering abortionist uh, whose house of horrors in Philadelphia was uh, revealed through a drug raid rather than any of his abortion crimes. He is now in, in prison for murdering um, uh, unborn, you know, born, born babies after, after a a botched abortion, you know, he botched an abortion and murdered these children. Um, those berries, babies were buried, and we've been visiting their graves ever since. There was the, um, the cache of thousands of bodies of aborted babies that was discovered at the, at the hall in the garage and in the trunk of a deceased abortionist who had been operating in Indiana. His home in Illinois was raided, and they found all these fetus, fetuses in his in, his, in boxes, those babies were buried. I was present for that burial um, in South Bend, Indiana, and now we go to that location as well. So this event encompasses the entire history of the pro-life movement because it goes back to these burials from the 80s or even the 70s, but on up to, on up to this day. Um, but the sad truth is that only a tiny, tiny fraction of the millions of children who have been killed by abortion uh, in the United States uh, over the past five decades have ever been buried. In general, their bodies are incinerated, flushed down the sink, uh, sometimes buried, sometimes burned. We know that the abortion industry is sometimes really uh, struggling to get rid of all the babies. Um, you know, a lot of medical waste companies have decided they don't want to be involved in the abortion business in any way. And sometimes they, the abortionists really struggle to find a place to, to put these children. In fact, abortionist Renee Chalian in Michigan joked at a National Abortion Federation event that David Daleiden caught on video in his famous Center for Medical Progress videos. And she jokes, Renee Chalian jokes around about sending the women home with a goodie bag with their baby's body in it. Uh, why should this be our problem, she says. Uh, they just want to take the money and then leave the women to pick up the pieces, including the pieces of their unborn baby. That's how um, bloodthirsty and, and ice cold the abortion industry has become. Yeah. Eric, some people might be hearing this and saying, wow, this is really painful. Why are you putting this you know, before our faces? Maybe this is something we really don't want to see or hear. Um, where is the healing in this? I mean, because I know that's your goal and purpose in part, is healing, is respect, 
is um, it's a corporate work of mercy to bury the dead. Exactly. And, and, and so where, where is, people might say, where is healing in all this? I'm post-abortive, they might say, right? 64 million abortions, yeah. approximately. So, so, so what does this do for me? You're bringing up something that was very difficult for me. How, how is this healing? has become a, a, a magnet for post-abortion healing. Uh, I'll share just one story. Um, a, a couple of years ago, we had our National Day of Remembrance for Aborted Children Memorial Service at Queen of Heaven Cemetery in Hillside, Illinois. These babies were originally buried by uh, Cardinal Joseph Bernadine. And when we started to hold these uh, memorial events, Cardinal Francis George uh, joined us, came out and uh, memorialized these children, and uh, numerous bishops of uh, the Archdiocese of Chicago have come out. So we were having one of these memorial services, and a woman came up to me afterwards with tears in her eyes. And she wanted to tell me about how her daughter had just had an abortion, and the way she found out about it was through an insurance bill that showed up. This woman had been carrying this pain inside of her for a couple of weeks. She talked to her daughter. Her daughter regretted it. Uh, she got some help for her. But she felt this, this grandmother of this aborted baby felt so isolated because she didn't want her husband to know about the abortion and, and, and think ill of, of their daughter. Um, so she didn't tell him about it. So she was suffering all by herself. But when she came out to this memorial service, to this burial place of 2,033 aborted babies, she was allowed to publicly mourn for this baby and to, and to, and to cry for her daughter and the, and the suffering she'd been through and the horrible decision that she'd made and that she now regretted. And, you know, she, she came up to tell me about this because she wanted to thank me. I mean, how humbling for me that this woman comes up and is thanking me for the opportunity to experience this sorrow. Um, we know. Uh, not only from our experience as Christians, but from our knowledge of human psychology, that denying the pain of an experience, denying trauma in your life is extremely unhealthy. It's spiritually unhealthy, it's physically unhealthy, it's mentally unhealthy. So yes, reminding people that unborn babies have bodies, that those bodies need to be disposed of, that those bodies have been buried in some cases and we can go and visit those burial places. That will bring up sadness and sorrow and misery and remind people of their trauma. But we shouldn't be afraid of that. Um, we need to face the traumas in our lives. We need to face the bad decisions we've made. We need to face the darkness. And, and, and then only then can we ask God to shine a light in our lives and bring that healing in. Eric, thank you so much for the great work that you are a part of. People can go to the National Day of uh, Remembrance.org. You'll see the sites that are there, where you can go. And, and, and along with Eric, I'm just asking you, if you do have a monument already, you have a headstone, there's still time to get one, then you can be a part of this and just mobilize your people, give them an opportunity, whether there's one or two people, five, ten people, to gather around this site. It's so necessary and will lead to the healing of our nation. God bless you, Eric. Keep up your great work. We're totally supportive of you. God bless you, brother. Thank you. And I hope that we'll be able to, um, to help recruit some new folks because every year this grows. Every year we see more people coming out, more people getting healed. NationalDayOfRemembrance.org has all the information you need. Thank you Thank so much. You. God bless you, brother. Bless you. Did we have a phone call? I yeah, I think we have Claire on the phone, and Claire is calling us from Louisiana. Claire, welcome to At Home with Jim and Joy. Your question or your comment? Thank you. Uh, I miss carried a little boy 
and I want to know where he is. I, well, I know he's in heaven, but I want to know where his body is. Yeah. Well, it all depends on when and where that happened. If you miscarried him at the hospital, um, were you given the opportunity? Um, the gestational age of the pregnancy is all important. So you really need to have the conversation so you're with your doctor. You had a miscarriage. And, and it, I was five months along okay. with a little boy. Yes. So what you're saying, where my son's body is, what happened after his you know, tragic passing? Was he cremated at the hospital, or did you not uh, inter him in some form? I'm just trying to understand. I don't know what happened to the baby. Mm. How long okay. ago was this, okay. Claire? That was in 19... 85. Okay. Yeah. Claire, yeah. So I'm just, tr it's, it's a short period of time trying to get this. You're just saying you simply don't know. God knows. You may not know, and I don't know what that's all about in there, but God knows. God knows where every one of his children, not only your child, but his children are any material matter that is someplace, somewhere. And the mystery of the resurrection, because his desire is that the body and the soul will be reunited somehow, some way. God's on that. Somehow, some way, God will write straight our crooked lines. So all you can do is to say, Lord Jesus, I trust in you. And he loves your child. And you can say, Lord, you're going to have to put this all together. You're going to have to put him all back together one day because God's ultimate plan for us is not just that we be disembembered dis souls, but he wants to unite that material matter because we are soul body people. So for you, you don't know, you don't understand. There are uh, people that are in that situation. I think for me, I would just say, Lord, I don't know. This is mm -hmm. an ache, this is a pain, this is another thing that I give to you. Lord, as long as you know, then, then I can find a degree of peace. As long as the Blessed Virgin Mary knows, would you please pray for my little one that's been miscarried? And I want to refer you, Claire, to a website. It's called Heaven's Game. Dot org, I think it is, or heavensgame.com. Yeah. And um, you can share your story there and get some counsel and guidance and some advice on how you move forward, move through your grief and your hope in the mm. midst of this situation. God comforts you. We're praying for you and praying for your precious little one and entrusting that little one with you into the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ, who himself was an, an embryo, a fetus, and now reigns as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Plenty more to come. Welcome back. Well, before we wrap up today's show, we're going to go to Rome to check in with beautiful Joan Lewis. Now, Joan, what's the latest news from Rome this weekend? Well, greetings from Rome. Hi, Jim and Joy. I guess you know that we're doing all we can here to combat the seemingly endless heat 
that has struck us in Italy, and I know all of you are suffering as well. And by the way, the Pope even mentioned this Sunday at the Angelus how many people are suffering from the, from the huge heat wave. And uh, because of the heat, of course, the Mass Sunday yesterday for the Third World Day of Grandparents and the Elderly was held in St. Peter's Basilica. The Pope Francis presided at Mass at 10 a.m. in the presence of about 8,000 grandparents and grandchildren, mostly Italian. And then um, after Mass, he did uh, preside at the Angelus from the window of, of his study. As a matter of fact, for, for after praying the Angelus with all the faithful in St. Peter's Square, he asked for applause for the two people standing with him. And in fact, an Italian grandmother and her grand, grandson were at the window. Now, in his homily at Mass, Pope Francis focused on something that he's focused on really throughout his 10-year uh, pontificate, and that is to say the uh, bringing the generations closer together. This is so important for uh, creating a more fraternal world. And here's part of what he said on Sunday. He said, here, I think of our grandparents. How beautiful are these thriving trees in whose branches children and grandchildren build their own nests, learning the warmth of home and experiencing the tenderness of an embrace. This is about growing together. The verdant tree and the little ones, the new shoots, who need a nest. Grandparents with their children and grandchildren, the elderly with the youngest. And then the Pope went on to say, he said, how much we need a new bond between young and old so that the life-giving source of those who have a long experience of life behind them will nourish the shoots of hope of those who are growing. In this fruitful exchange, said Francis, we can learn the beauty of life, build a fraternal society, and in the church, be enabled to encounter one another and dialogue between tradition and the newness of the spirit. The spirit. Now, interestingly enough, that bond that he would love forged between generations actually took place at the end of Mass when five elderly people, including one of Sister of Mother Teresa's nuns, they gave, uh, symbolically gave a World Youth Day cross to five young people who will leave in coming days for Lisbon for the, uh, for the World Youth Day. And this was to symbolize the passing on of the faith from generations, the older generation to new generations. So in closing, I would simply say, you know, let's pray for grandparents everywhere. I hope everyone has wonderful memories like I do. So we'll pray for the living and the deceased, and also for all of those elderly who take time, make time in their life to pass on the faith to the new generations. Joan, thanks so much for a wonderful report. And uh, we love the Grandparents Association. We're members in yes. this yearly event that uh, the Holy Father holds for the elderly and for grandparents. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. What a spectrum we covered today, Joe. We talked about our own grandchildren, special event we take them to, and uh, grandparents uh, there in Rome. We spoke, spoke about the loss, abortion loss, and the pain of that, how we need the Lord, how we need to, to trust in Him, and to know the great grandeur of human life and children. And then we move into uh, pregnancy loss of various kinds. Mm -hmm. We had the call about miscarriage. God, you take every evil and turn it to a good. You take every curse and turn it into blessing. You take death and turn it into life. Join us next time 
for a great conversation with Catholic birth doula and childbirth educator, Mary Hazeltine. God bless you. God bless all of your loved ones. You're an important part of this EWTN family. You're never alone, and you're always at home with Jim and Joy. Bye now.